0: hello my friends and welcome back to idle chatter i'm your host ray bohacks the hot rod farmer from cat swamp road and uh wishing you all again a slightly belated merry christmas and it is hard to believe that is the end of 2021 in a couple of days right so we'll be going into 2022 so uh, hopefully you all had a nice christmas and uh We had the opportunity to reflect on the reason for Christmas and the blessings of it and spend time with family and friends and just uh, made memories, right? There's two banks. There's the bank that you put money in in life and there's the bank that you put memories in. And the one that you put memories in is so much more valuable than the one that you put money in. So uh, Charlotte and I had a very nice Christmas. It was a quiet Christmas here on the farm, just the way we like it. And uh, we had, uh, it was raining. It wasn't a white Christmas, which I have no issue with whatsoever. If you listen to my radio show, you know that. And uh, we did actually have a few inches of snow Christmas Eve morning, so the 24th. And I get up as if you listen to the show before I get up about, well, I. I get up get up out of bed by four thirty. I should really be getting up a little. I should really be getting up a little bit earlier than that. But ever since I was sick for those almost three weeks with that vertigo, I just uh, never seemed to uh, to my body just kind of got beat up, and I feel tired for some reason. But anyway, um, so when I got up and I went downstairs, oh uh, geez, I I looked out the window and I said, my God, it's white out there. So we probably had about i would say a good three to three and a half inches of snow and uh on the uh on the what do you call it the grassy areas and the natural areas and then maybe an inch or two on the on the road and on the driveway but uh then later on that day it turned well that evening it turned to rain and we had a rainy christmas not terrible rain but i mean not not, not that any rain is terrible but um a nice gentle rain sometimes, just you know, a heavy mist falling with a little bit of fog. So I was grateful for that and nothing to plow and I'm sure the people who were traveling were grateful to that for that also. But there was a horrific when I went to the truck stop, they showed me pictures of it. Some, some truck driver had uh, had it there. and in Pennsylvania, on I80 eastbound out by snowshoe, supposedly, they had snow out there because it was much it was colder and just different weather conditions and there was a horrific horrific accident it looked like a that um, looked like a semi jackknife and then it looked like an older toyota highlander plowed right into it underneath the trailer and the roof up until the, the two rear doors so basically the, the driver's compartment and the passenger next to them, the roof was flat as the hood so just uh, so from what I understood is a couple at least those two people got killed, I don't know how many more were in the car. So terrible. Terrible. We never know what's going to happen, right? So uh, it was very solemn to uh, see that early in the morning on Christmas Eve morning. But uh, let me see what else is going on. We're supposed to have a nice warm week in the '40s, in the mid-'40s, and uh, we had so far, on Cat Swamp Road here on the Bohax farm for 2021 we've had 68.81 inches of rain and it is not we're supposed to get a little bit of rain before new year so maybe we'll hit 70 in, i don't think we'll hit 70 maybe 69 a little bit more than 69 inches of rain and back when i planted our first uh my first planting of sweet corn we had only 10 inches of rain and that was on may 15th so from January 1st to May 15th, we only had 10 inches of rain. And then from May 15th to now, so we had um, 58 inches of rain for a total of 68. So it was uh, been kind of wet. And uh, hey, but thank God we have that. because going into the planting season last year, we were all worried about moisture. But that's how, <laughs> that's how li- I'm not laughing, but that's how life is, right? And how stuff starts doesn't necessarily mean how it ends with everything in life. So we just have to trust in the Lord. But I'd have to say that, changing the subject here, as we roll into our topic for today, but I'd have to say that uh, it's been a solid year since we've not turned the television on in our house. And I know we turned it on last year, I think either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And we haven't turned the TV on, so I think it still works. (laughs) I don't see why it shouldn't but the other day on christmas my wife and i were watching down in my office we were watching some old tv shows on the internet and you know people say oh i remember a friend of mine says oh i think it's great that my daughter doesn't watch tv I said oh that's good right so she watches everything online well i don't know unless i'm missing something other uh, than some commercials that you that you don't see, I don't see what difference it makes whether you're watching it online or watching it on a computer. I mean, watching it on television, watching it on a computer. But anyway, what I like to do is because even though the calendar says 2021 rolling into 2022, in my mind it's still whatever 1954, even though I wasn't born 1964, whatever it's still. The old, the old days in my mind. I have the old rule book, and I live by the old rule book, not this new rule book that God knows even what it is. But anyway, so so we took. I, t- I took the opportunity to find some of my old favorite TV shows. Uh, I watched Twelve O'clock High, Rat Patrol. Uh, we watched something else. Twelve O'clock High, Rat Patrol, original Charlie's Angels, and there was something else we watched. I forgot. But anyway, the point that I'm getting... Oh, uh, Highway Patrol. And and uh, those shows were old when I was young. So, but uh, they really... A lot of them were in black and white. The Highway Patrol and the uh, 12 O'Clock High were all black and... <clears throat> excuse me, all in black and white. And the Rat Patrol was in color. Excuse me, I have to wipe my nose. Rat Patrol was in color. And uh, so... But what was really interesting, and that led me, in, that's leading me into the segue of today's show, and I'll give you as just bear with me one more minute or so, and then I'll tell you why I'm doing this. And um, it gave me the opportunity to see a lot of nice old cars, right? I mean, old cars from the '40s off for 12 o'clock high, which was a World War II show about a, uh, a bomber group that's flying out of England into uh, germany during the war and then rat patrol obviously was in the uh, the the african campaign of world war Two, and then highway patrol was in the 50s but you know i'm, I'm watching these shows and I'm, and they have the old cars and it's amazing how and i said to charlotte not that not that she would recognize it but anyway I said you know, it's amazing how you how these old cars back then, these old engines I should say, I mean, you just looked at the key and they started and uh, amazing they get in the car boom they tap the key and i don't think you know the crankshaft turns 270 degrees to whatever the next event is and the thing lights right off and, and runs it doesn't it doesn't surge it doesn't do anything and if you pay attention to a newer and i'm talking about gasoline not diesel if you pay attention to a newer gasoline engine a fuel injected gasoline engine no way shape or form does it start as quickly as and what i mean by quickly i mean is when you go when, when you put the key in and turn the key for it to from to go from crank to run i'm not saying that it sits there and cranks for a half hour as quickly as these old cars did and i, I kind of always knew that but this brought to light watching these old tv shows and saying look i said boom the thing lights right off and the, and why don't the newer cars the newer gasoline engines start like that for the simple reason being is they're too complicated they have all of these protocols and the crank the cranking rpms to get to a certain point before it's going to pulse the injector and before and they have what they call inside the ecu on fuel injection whether well, it's on gasoline and diesel but we're talking about gasoline is what they call flags And these flags have to be met. So in other words, for instance, a general protocol on EFI engines since back for the past 40 years is that if it doesn't crank at least 450 RPM, it's not going to pulse the injector so at 449 rpm it's not pulsing the injector so if you start the crank it has to have enough enough inertia because when you turn the key and go into crank you have to have the starter motor which is called the cranking motor has to build enough inertia in the crankshaft doesn't go from from zero to 450 460 rpm it has to um it, i shouldn't say that's let me put that's wrong it's not 460 rpm that's for the timing to take control it has to crank about 250 rpm but anyway so I apologize. I was thinking about the when the ignition timing control takes over. So, but it has all of these protocols, and you have to remember on digital circuitry, if it doesn't meet that protocol, if it's one RPM off, if it's one second off, if it's one whatever the whatever the metric is, it's just as good as zero. So, uh, so that's what, so what we're going to talk about today, which is which was the catalyst from watching these old shows on Christmas Day was breaker point ignition. And I know a lot of listeners contact me and they have a lot of they have eclectic mix of older equipment they may have a an old tractor on the farm that has breaker point ignition it may have a magneto it may not have a magneto it may have a distributor like a regular car like a regular engine did in the question second forget like a more modern car a lot of people have lawn tractors <coughs> older lawn tractors on the farm with breaker point ignition so this is going to be a review on this show today of breaker point ignition and then i'm also going to make a segue from that into some electronic ignition so you could have that that foundation and it and i think it's really important because even if you know it which i'm sure most of you do this would be a good review because there they there hasn't been breaker point ignition for god knows how many years on in the auto industries and I always say auto industry means pickup trucks also, not just cars. I mean, there hasn't been break point ignition since 1974. So 1975 was the first year that the whole industry went with electronic ignition and a Chrysler product 1973. <coughs> Excuse me, 1973 was the first year, so that's quite, quite a long time so we're going to discuss breakup points so we're going to turn the <clears throat> we're going to turn the clock back at the end of 2021 back to the 1950s 60s 40s whatever and talk about breaker points and the other thing i want to tell you before i get going is that um i am going to be coming out with hopefully god willing right after the new year maybe within the first month or so is a number of people including mr ron Lern from out in pennsylvania and uh, had asked me whether i ever would make or made uh hot rod farmer idle chattel license plates <clears throat> not license plate frames with but license plates and i did uh have t-shirts i had hot rod farmer t-shirts And I insisted upon them being American-made, and they were American-made, American cotton, and they had my logo on the front, and they had a logo that I, (coughs) excuse me, designed. But I mean, designed conceptually. I can't draw a straight line, but my graphic artist Sue Moore made it happen, and it was a wave. It's a waving American flag, and has a, it has a, it has a, a. it has a um, like a, <clears throat> I call it a muscle arm, like an arm over in there. A guy making a muscle and has a tattoo and he's got a heart and it says in the heart that's farming. It says farming in script. And then underneath it is the uh, scripture verse saying, uh, there's a scripture verse underneath it. Excuse me, I'm just going to clear my throat. <coughs> Get a drink of water here. Hopefully God willing for next year my throat is better. <clears throat> thank you for that uh it's psalms 33 12 blessed is the nation whose whose god is the lord so that's on the, was on the back of the t-shirt and i in i enjoyed the t-shirts i had given them out to a lot of listeners i used to and early on i had a contest where i was giving out the t-shirts and they were quite costly for me to have made and to tell you the truth they probably by the time i got said and done the shirts are close to $35 a piece with the shipping to me and it was because i had a uh, low volume i wasn't buying you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them and then ultimately what would happen is that as i i ordered them twice so I had two orders I placed with a company out in Iowa they were made in USA American grown cotton they were silk screened in in, in Iowa, so everything was American nice hundred percent cotton American cotton t-shirt and uh, and some of you do have them and uh, hopefully you enjoyed them. But they're very costly, and they would cost me, so in essence, by the time I got done, it cost me about 40 to $45, $42 with, the, with buying the shirts, having paying the shipping to me, and then shipping the shirt back out. But then ultimately, and I was giving them away for free, and then ultimately, I, I never had the right size because I didn't have a large inventory. I wasn't buying 50 or 100 extra large, 50 or 100 of 2X, of medium, and, I, and, and most of the time, I didn't have the right size for the people, so I reordered and the, the people at the wait. and there's a, there's a couple of people who, who were supposed to get T-shirts from me, and they're not getting them because I didn't have the right size. And uh, so it got to be a nightmare as far as that's concerned. I never wanted to be a haberdasher, a clothier guy, and uh, like I say, no matter what you have, it's the wrong size. So what I'm doing is that I found the company that makes American, that has American-made embossed license plates. So I am going to have a license plate made, and it's going to be silkscreen in all color. It's going to have the Hot Rod Farmer logo, which is the uh, the the tractor which is based on a Massey Ferguson and we have the Massey you know the whole logo that you see on my website and for the podcast with the smoking tires the American flag and say idle chatter on so I'm going to hopefully have those made and uh see how they come out i want them to and they're gonna, like i said they're going to be usa made with usa aluminum and they're going to be embossed they're not going to be flat printed so it's going to be a nice piece a quality piece and they're going to be silk screened and supposedly they could silk screen it with all of the detail that i have on the logo so that's yet to be seen so when that comes out, I will let you know. And I am not going to be selling them, but I'm probably going to have some sort of contest. So either it's going to be for a pin in my map where you let me know about the, where, you, where you're listening from or a toolbox test contest or something. So uh, I'm excited about that. And it's, sadly, I can't even put one of on my vehicles in New Jersey because we have a front license plate. So well, I looked it up and I think 30-something states out of the 50 have no front license plate so uh but hey you could put it on your farm tractor you could put up in your garage you could put in your toolbox whatever so i'll let you know about that and hopefully god willing they come out good Uh, i don't know whether they'll make i want them to make me a sample first before i invest in them because they they are not as costly as the t-shirts but they are they're not you know 10 cents either so i'm excited about that all righty so, without any further ado, seventeen minutes into the show, but it's, you know it's still Christmas week, right? So we're gonna we're gonna be laid back here, and then next week we're gonna really hit the ground running, and uh, really move the needle as far as this podcast, the radio show, and educating you, my listeners, to make your farm or ranch operation or whatever you're doing much more profitable. All right, so we're gonna turn the clock back, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with breaker points, and A lot of people didn't understand the true function of breaker points and i'm going to try not to belabor this or go into too much depth where it gets confusing but so you have a basic understanding of what's happening so if you look at an ignition system and we're talking about a breaker point system you have a distributor some sort of distributor and the purpose of a distributor is to distribute the secondary voltage so to the different cylinders so if you have a single cylinder engine let's say like on a lawnmower or a lawn tractor there's no distributor of course there's only one cylinder so anything and then you could also have that with a multi-cylinder engine two-cylinder engine work out the same way and not have a distributor because what they would do is they would fire both cylinders most likely at the same time there may be exceptions to that they fire they fire one on the compression stroke and one on the exhaust stroke so it's firing in tandem but anything that you're going to really have on a farm it's going to be a multi-cylinder engine uh, it's going to have a distributor so now as i said the purpose of the distributor is twofold number one is to distribute the secondary voltage which would happen through the rotor and the distributor cap and then the secondary leads or wires going to the spark plugs and then you have the other aspect of the distributor which which houses the breaker points and the condenser and that will have the centrifugal or centrifugal however you want to say it, advanced system and that is going to be driven historically off the camshaft through the oil pump depending upon the engine design so now in an ignition system we will have the distributor the distributor will house the breaker points the condenser and the rotor and the advanced system and there will be an ignition coil and there'll be a wire connecting the ignition coil to the distributor cap and then there will be the leads going to the spark plugs which they call as i said secondary some people call they call them high tension leads tension meaning high voltage so not tension like you're tensed but the purpose of the breaker points is to control both the charging of the coil and the discharging of the coil and an ignition coil that's used on breaker points system fires through what they call inductance so there's two types of where you could fire a coil through inductance or through capacitance. And with breaker points, it's fired through inductance. And what will basically happen is that you have to look at it where the breaker points are nothing more than a switch. So when the points are closed, the ignition coil will be charging. So it's going to be so there's going to be battery voltage going into the ignition coil. And the ignition coil has both a primary and secondary winding. So the ignition coil is going to be charging. And then when the points break open, the ignition, the, what, they, what is called the field, is going to collapse inside the ignition coil. So think of like a house of cards. And, you, and so when the breaker points are closed, the electricity is going to the coil. So the house of cards is being built so the it's stacking up more cards you're stacking up more cards more cards more cards in this house of cards but in this particular instance it's not cards that's it's electricity that's going into the coil and then once the breaker once the points break open would be like you going at the bottom of the house of cards and pulling one card out if you pull one card out what's going to happen that house of cards is going to come collapsing straight down all right, and so that is what happens inside the coil and this field, what they call a field, all right, when it collapses and it it goes through the secondary windings and making this overly simplified. It's simple, but not simple, hard to describe in an audio, in a podcast, not with any pictures or images. And it's going to induce a higher voltage and there is more windings in the secondary field than in a primary field. And usually it's about... Ten to 1 20 to one, depending upon the coil design. So what happens is that when this house of cards, which is the voltage in the primary of the coil, collapses, it induces into the secondary field, and it becomes amplified. And that amplification is what fires the spark plug because it has twelve volts going in. Let's we'll say we'll say twelve volts, or usually probably about fourteen volts from the generator, or but twelve volts going in. And the multiplication as the field collapses, the house of card fall, cards falls down and induces a in, in voltage in what they call inductively into the secondary windings. And this will multiply it to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 volts, depending upon the how many windings are in the coil, the resistance of the windings, and <clears throat> all of those things that come. So, so basically, for instance for argument's sake we'll say it's, it's the coil is taking 12 volts and turning it into we'll say 30,000 volts all right and and that 30,000 volts is what is sent to the spark plug to to bridge the gap of the spark plug but that is so the coil, the ignition coil, shares both the primary side of the ignition and the secondary side. So if you would talk about identifying the secondary side of the ignition system, it would be the secondary side of the coil, the coil wire, the height, the distributor cap, the rotor, the leads going for to to each spark plug, and the spark plug itself. So that's the secondary side of the coil. A secondary ignition i should say the primary ignition is the ignition switch the wires going from the that supply 12 volts to the to the to the coil to the primary side of the coil the breaker points the condenser and uh, the distributor cam that opens and closes the breaker points. So that is the primary side. So the coil shares both the primary and secondary side. The rest of it is divorced from each other. So now, as I was saying, I'll reiterate, the purpose of the breaker points is to charge the coil, fill it up with with electricity, and then control when that field collapses so the spark plug fires. Now, in essence, what happens is the breaker points as you know ride on the distributor cam and a distributor cam is going to have as many lobes as there are cylinders in the engine so a six cylinder uh distributor will have six lobes on the distributor cam and the cam it's not the cam shaft that opens the valves it's the cam that is which looks like a which looks like a uh a a nut right so a nut and bolt a nut so it has it has high lobes and it has flat areas so the amount of high amount of lobes on that cam will be equal to the amount of cylinder so if you have an eight cylinder engine it's going to have eight lobes a six cylinder of six four will have four lobes and on the breaker points are two pieces so you have the part of the breaker point that rides on the distributor cam and that is going And the other part of the breaker point is going to be stationary and there's a piece of spring steel there and it's going to open and close against the spring steel so when the rubbing block on the points comes in contact with the high lobe on the cam then it's going it then it's going to open the points when it's on the flat spot of the cam the right the points are going to be closed so now, here's so that I know you place you by saying he yourself, well, all right, I notice, I notice, I notice, But, like I said, foundationally, we need to have a review. So what happens is that as the engine, as you as you crank the engine to start it, or the engine is running, it's already running is that when the rubbing block goes onto the flat spot of the cam, the coil is going to be charging because it takes 12 volts from the ignition switch and goes to the coil positive and then the negative side of the coil p- primary goes to the breaker points. So it's going to complete the circuit and the coil is going to be charging. When does the spark plug fire? So here is your test the spark plug fires just as the breaker points open and the flow of electrons to the coil stops so the spark plug fires just as the breaker points crack open as, as soon as there's a separation between the two points that is when the spark plug fires so now the purpose of the condenser in an ignition in an ignition system the Points, breaker point ignition system is to not allow the energy that's in the coil to go back and arc across the spark across the excuse me across the breakers because if it arced across the breakers then they would no longer be broke the circuit would no longer be open so the so what happens is that as the breaker points open the field in the coil starts collapses and the voltage is multiplied and it's sent to the spark plug and then the condenser absorbs the excess energy that the spark plug did not use so the breakers do not arc so that is the purpose of the condenser all right and the condenser has a different rating and it's read in what's called micro fads it's a metric that's used to to measure energy storage all right so that's the theory behind it now let's talk about the practical application of breaker points the breaker points are gapped they have a specified gap and that gap could either be read two ways it could either be read with a feeler gauge so let's say 17 thousandths of an inch so what that would mean is that when the high when the when the breakers are on the high lobe of the cam so they're fully open the gap between the two points would be 17 thousandths of an inch so that is a mechanical gauge setting now that mechanical gauge setting also translates into something that is called a dwell period so you could adjust points two ways you could either adjust it as a mechanical setting with a feeler gauge or you could adjust it with a dwell period the thing is that on most designs other back years ago other than general motors design that allowed you to put a a, a allen wrench in through the distributor cap would have the door and you could turn the points that it would be hard for you to adjust the points with the uh with the dwell meter but you could what you would have to do is obviously have the distributor cap off you would uh, ground the coil wire and you would crank the engine over watching the dual meter and the dual meter is hooked up to the negative side of the coil on a 12 volt system on a six volt system it's hooked up to the positive side of the coil because most six volt systems had a positive ground so it's the opposite and then you would crank the engine over and you would move the breaker points as a screw that, that a pinch screw that would hold it down and you'd have the pin screw just loose enough so it doesn't move by itself and you take a screwdriver in there and you would be able to pry the points the you would move it on its pivot you're not prying it open and you would adjust it i never had good luck doing points that way that were not gm style v8 gm stock was six and the gm was the same way as ford chrysler and amc and john deere and everybody else all right but you could so now What's happening is what is the term dwell? Dwell is nothing but a time period. So if you say, well, I'm going to go to the, you could tell your wife, I'm going to town to the cafe and I'm going to dwell there with the guys. So she'd say, well, how long are you going to dwell there? I'm going to dwell there for an hour and then I'm going to come home. So dwell is a time period. But when it comes to breaker points, dwell is the length of time measured in distributor cam rotational degrees so it's the rotation how many rotational degrees of the distributor cam that the breakers are going to be closed and charging the coil so i'll repeat that dwell on breaker points on the ignition system is the length of time in distributor cam degrees that the points are closed and charging the coil and remember a coil as i've said before in the show is like a bank account you have to fill it up to take money out you can't just take money out you have to fill it up and take money out and the points are allowing the coil to fill up to charge when they are closed so if you were to put a dwell meter on a set of breaker points i don't care whether it's on a farm tractor or whether it's on an old car or whatever it may be and you were reading 30 degrees dwell that meant that the points were closed for 30 degrees of distributor cam rotation, not not valve train cam, distributor cam rotation so dwell so in essence when you're looking at points you have a, a gap and the way the engineers designed it is that if it, the gap is seven let's say the specification on an eighth well an eighth cell was 30 degrees so if the gap was 17 thousandths and you had it accurately gapped at 17 thousandths then you would have the 30 degree dwell and historically most of the time there was a four degree specification window so you could say that it was 28 to 32 and 30 would when usually when you have a specification you try to hit it in the middle so if it says 28 to 32 then you look for 30 degrees all right so if it says the gap of something should be 17 to 21 then you would look for 19 which is more or less in the middle all right so but but either anything in that window would be acceptable <clears throat> so to reiterate the breaker points charge the coil when they are closed and the uh, so the switch is closed thing of a light all right and allows electricity to pass into the coil the spark plug fires as soon as the breakers crack open and separate and the condenser is used to absorb the excess energy so the points do not arc and start to charge the coil again because if they charge the coil again the spark plug is going to extinguish right because there's no that field is no longer being collapsed the house of cards is being built back up and then the rubbing block is going to ride on the cam the rubbing block of the points is going to ride on the cam and it's going to open and close so and dwell is the length of time in distributor cam rotational degrees that the points are closed and charging the coil and the gap of the points is set with a feeler gauge and with a specification so many 17,000s 20,000s whatever it may be 14,000s so a good tune-up man with breaker points would set the gap with the feeler gauge and then they would go and they would uh, then check it with the dwell meter and like I said, on GM eight cylinder stuff, it was a beautiful design that Delco designed. They had a cap on the distributor cap. They had a little door, metal door, sheet metal door that you'd open up, and you would stick <clears throat> an Allen wrench. I believe was an eighth inch Allen wrench, and in there, and you would turn the points, and you could watch the dwell meter. Now, another thing, since we're going through breaker points, which a lot of people maybe did not even know at the time, or they didn't know, and they forgot is that as the breaker points wear so usually when we're saying that the breaker points are worn it's one of two areas it's either the distributor cam is worn so if the cam is worn it was usually like a plastic phenolic material if the cam is worn, warm excuse me the cam the break the cam didn't wear the breaker points water what they would call the rubbing block that went onto the cam just scratch that (laughs) i got a sort of rubbing block of the points would wear the cam was metal and if it wore then when it got onto the high lobe it did not open as far so if it did not open as far then obviously the gap would change and the dwell would change so as the breaker point so that's the rubbing block wearing the other aspect of breaker points wearing is the two contacts which are actually the points the two metal contacts with wear and they would also start to get corroded from passing the electricity through it and they could, could start to burn so that would change so there's two things that could happen to the breaker points the rubbing block can wear and which is natural that aware and then the points themselves the contacts they would call it will start to wear and corrode and burn away now i now on most distribute most if not all distributors there was a uh, a wick underneath the rotor and this wick underneath the rotor would would lubricate the top end of this centrifugal advance mechanism. So if you pulled the rotor off, there'd be a little wick underneath there in the in the um, the shaft where the rotor pressed on. And it's important for you to keep that damp with oil. You don't want to flood that with oil. You wanna you wanna put one with an oil can, you wanna put one or two shots of oil on there and keep it nice and damp. And that oil will work its way down to the centrifugal weight mechanism through centrifugal force now the so a lot of people do not do that and i see this because i write for some farm tractor magazines an old tractor and i have a i have on my website it's called collector's corner i have articles about older farm equipment and most people back in the day they never lubricated that and then what would happen is the advanced mechanism would start to seize up in the centrifugal advance not the weights but the shaft actually turns on the cam there and then the other thing that people do which they're not familiar with points today is they do not lube the cam where the rubbing block is going to ride on it or they over lube it years ago when you bought a set of breaker points they gave you a little capsule with grease in it and uh it looked almost like a um, what was it that medicine contact for cold. So you took the capsule, there's a little capsule with grease, and then you took the capsule and you opened it up and you put a little bit, bit of grease. Now the thing would be, you only want to put grease on one lobe of the distributor cam, and then you want to turn, if you have the distributor out, you turn it with your hand, or if not, you go, and you. so you smear it on one lobe of the cam, and you turn, crank the distributor around, whether through the, the, the engine or however you did it, right? I'm blind as a bat, so I used to like to take my distributors out and clean everything and clean the advanced weights and what have you. And then you, so you crank it around, and then what you do is you take a thin little screwdriver or a pocket knife and you wipe the excess grease off because when you put the grease on first on the lobe, it's going to build up on the back side of the rubbing block, and you wipe the excess grease off. It only needs a little bit amount of lubrication there. And if you do not lubricate, that rubbing block, it's going to wear excessively, and as it wears excessively, what is going to happen is the dwell is going to change and the gap is going to change. Now, as the breaker points, the rubbing block wears. What what you will see is that the dwell period, the length of time that the coil <coughs> is charging, increases, but the length of time that the spark plug is able to fire decreases and that and also impacts the ignition timing. So the takeaway message here is as the as the rubbing block wears the the length the dwell increases and the ignition timing retards. So there is a balance between the ignition timing and the dwell of the points. And a lot of people didn't realize that. So then again as it wears it's going to it's going to decrease the amount of, of time that the spark plug is firing yes you're charging the coil longer all right but you only have 360 degrees of rotation of that distributor cam and if there's a, if there's eight lobes then it's 360 divided by 8 so if there's four lobes it's 360 divided by 4 so that is going to be the impact of it that you need to keep that in mind now also on breaker points they did not work off of 12 volts on a breaker point system the engine the battery the charging system would be 12 volts or i was forgetting about six volts be 12 volts and what would happen is that the way it was designed is that when you went into crank with with the starter whether it was on a farm tractor with 12 volts or whether it was a car or a pickup truck whatever it may be when you went into crank that it would send Full, we never said 12 volts, we'd say full battery voltage, that's the proper term. Full battery voltage, because you have to remember that when you're cranking the engine, the starter is stealing, is is being operated and pulling down the battery. So full battery voltage to the coil, to the coil positive side, and when you release the key from crank to run, it would change the circuit and would go through some sort of resistor. Now Chrysler products had what they called a ballast resistor. So they had a resistor, it was a white resistor that was in series and it would drop the voltage to around seven volts. GM and Ford and AMC used a resistance wire or a resistance terminal. So they basically in essence used a resistance wire was a wire that had a certain amount of designed resistance in it. But the take home message here is on every breaker point system it will crank on full battery voltage and then when it goes from crank to run it's going to go through some sort of resistance circuit and it's going to drop the voltage to between seven and eight volts and the reason why they did that was to increase the lifespan of the breakers because if you are full if you are feeding full battery voltage through the breaker points, it was not going to affect the rubbing block, but it would affect affect the two contacts, and they would end up having a decreased life. I'm not going to say they would burn. Eventually. They- when I say burn doesn't mean they catch fire they start to wear away from the electricity going through it and we would call that burn so it wasn't like a fire would be coming out of your distributor but they would burn so they would crank on full battery voltage and they would run on about seven or eight volts so very 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 important as I said before in the show there's been instances specifically if you have an older Chrysler product all right that the ballast resistor used to should have been a half a ohm resistance, I believe, and uh, and there's a lot of these coming from China, and everything is replacement parts and resistance is wrong, or as the ballast resistor got hotter, that the resistance would increase, and the engine would run fine cold, Then when it got hot underneath the hood, it would start to run raggy, raggy, and then start to then eventually start to stall and it's because it, the resistor got too hot and it would it was defectively made and would cut the voltage to the coil and when it got down around six volts five and a half six volts the engine would no longer run so that would be the voltage to the positive terminal on the ignition coil if you have an older antique gasoline tractor and you convert it to 12 volts you would be switching the uh ignition voltage from from the ignition switch from the negative side to the positive side and then you'll see most people put in a chrysler style ballast resistor you see this white resistor that has two uh, bayonet type connectors on it and it goes in series becomes part of the circuit so it cranks on full battery voltage and then it goes and drops down the voltage and that is simply to make the give the points a longer longer lifespan. so now let's recap the breakers control the ignition coil they control when the breakers are closed the charge the coil is charging as soon as the breakers crack open and that field is no longer supported it collapses like a house of cards that collapsing through the secondary windings has a multiplicative effect and then multiplicative effect substantially raises the voltage because you need a large a high amount of voltage you're not going to be able to bridge the gap of a spark plug with 12 volts or 14 volts so it's going to bring it up to 20 or 30 thousand volts all right the breaker points have the contacts and they have the rubbing block the rubbing block rides on the distributor cam when the cam when it is on the cam the points are open all right and as it goes open like i said the coil fires the dwell period is the length of time in distributor cam rotational degrees that the coil is charging and as the breakers wear as the rubbing block wears the timing will retard and the length of time in rotational degrees that the spark plug will be able to fire it goes down so the engine doesn't run well because we still have fuel in the cylinder and we're not using all of that fuel because we're shutting off the spark at the spark plug all right that the uh that it uses some sort of resistor circuit be it a ballast resistor which is an external resistance or resistance wire some sort of resistance circuit it will crank as i said on a full battery voltage and it will run on approximately a little bit more than half of that voltage all right so that's where you're at and and then what happened was that the industry came out with electronic ignition and the best electronic ignition, bar none, was the GM HEI, which came out in 1975, which stood for High Energy Ignition. That was a brand name. People say, "Oh, it's got HEI," and they're looking at an AMC, or they're looking at a Ford or Chrysler. It is not HEI; it's a brand name. All right. So, so um, it was. A, it was a wonderful. It is a wonderful, wonderful system, and was the precursor to every electronic ignition system over time. Chrysler came out first with electronic ignition, but their electronic ignition still, for some reason, only known to Chrysler, is still used a ballast resistor and then take, take full charging circuit voltage. So GMHEI, ran had no resistor circuit whatsoever ran off a full battery voltage so if you have a full charging circuit voltage so if it had 14.6 volts you would running off of 14.6 volts all right it had uh, an, a module internal to the distributor and the module actually um, the, the, the module was actually acting like the contacts of the breakers and then the pickup coil was acting like the rubbing block in the cam. And the module also had an expanding dwell period so they were able to give the coil more saturation as the engine load went up. So it ran off a full 12 volts. It was a wonderful, wonderful system. Great system. And then ultimately Ford, Chrysler, the imports all ended up copying the delco design with changing something around a little bit so they didn't have to pay patent infringements but ended up going into full full charging circuit voltage and using what they would call an expanding dwell theory and expanding dwell design now on an electronic ignition no matter what type it is what brand it is whether it works off of full charging circuit voltage or has a resistor in it all right we what would happen is that instead of having the points closed and points open, it would be replaced with a term called module on and module off. So on electronic ignition, when the module was on, what it did was that it it was the same as the points closed. So when the ignition module was turned on internally, then it would be charging the coil when the ignition module shut off it would be like the points breaking open so ignition module on time was the same as points closed coil being charged ignition module off time was when the points broke open and the spark, the field is collapsing and the spark plug will fire so that is so module on module off is the same thing as points open points closed so that is the so it's controlling the only thing that they did was they got away from the mechanical aspect of the points being physically opened and closed and wearing and they got away from the from the voltage limiting aspect of the breakers burning and not giving a long service life and be able to run full charging circuit voltage so what is the benefit of running full charging circuit voltage well think of it this way think of it that you have a a, whatever a 500 gallon sprayer on the farm and if you could fill that sprayer with a hose that's doing that's putting 100 gallons a minute out then you're filling 500 gallons in five minutes if you're putting filling it with a hose that's putting 10 gallons a minute out right then it's gonna then it's gonna take you 50 minutes so the same thing happens with a coil. Remember that the distributor cam is 360 degrees. A crankshaft spins in a 360-degree arc. You don't have unlimited amount of time to charge that coil. So by having full charging circuit voltage, 14.6, 14.7 volts, instead of running through a resistor of 6 or 7 volts, is that you're filling that tank quicker, and you're filling so you could so you could... You have more energy in that tank to be able to light the spark plug and that is when general motors started to go to a larger spark plug gap because they were filling that coil so quickly and with 14.6 volts instead of seven volts that they were able to jump that larger gap and why they went to that larger gap the gap of a spark plug anything on a briggs and stratton lawnmower engine is called the ionization window so that is actually where you're going to start the flame that is going to propagate and expand across the bore. All right, so as the flame expands, it pushes down on the piston. So that's called the ionization window. We call it a gap, but it's really called a spark plug gap. It's really an ionization window. So by having a larger ionization window, you could you could have to have require more electricity to light that spark plug plus you're giving a bigger window a bigger window for the air fuel mixture to get in there and you could run a leaner air fuel mixture and it's it's just a bigger window so it's like instead of looking at a little porthole you're looking at a big a big uh picture window out into the field right so that gives you a better view so it gives more of an area they call it a window all right more of an area for the air fuel ratio to get between the two electrodes the side electrode and the central electrode of the spark plug for it to light off and then the bigger gap is going to require more voltage for it to arc when that field collapse but that's fine because we got a bigger we got a more powerful coil here because we're feeding it with higher voltage so basically in essence that is how it works and if you look at any electronic ignition system i don't care whether it's a coil on plug system on a later engine whether it's on a a uh, a two-stroke engine on a weed whacker or that's a little bit different because it's a magneto but the idea of dwell and coil saturation is all basically the same all right, how it works, and then and any modern electronic ignition, whether it's on a lawnmower engine, or whether it's in a pickup truck or anything in between, all right, or an or an older first generation electronic ignition system, is going to follow the same tenet of operation. The only thing that's going to be different is the is whether they have full charging circuit voltage and how they're controlling it how many windings are in the coil what have you but that is in essence how it is going to work so keep in mind that if you have an older breaker point engine that you need to make sure that those points are gapped properly so that you could charge that coil and you have to make sure that the uh and also have the not only the charging time but the length of time based on distributor cam degrees that you are giving the the spark plug energy for it to keep arcing because you need to have that spark plug to arc for as long as possible in that crankshaft rotational degrees so that you're converting that fuel air mixture that chemical to mechanical energy a conversion as that flame is lit and keeps and stays doesn't extinguish until all the fuel and air is 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 consumed so if you don't have the right dwell period you're going to be charging the coil more granted all right but you're you're only you're you're not you're not keeping the spark plug lit for as many degrees as possible in crankshaft rotation. And that is the key to having the engine run, to run properly, get the most efficiency, have the most power. All right, so if you have any questions on that, please feel free to reach out to me at Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. But I also want you, you know, when you think, when I'm just going to back up for a second here, is that, You know, when you're working on any ignition system, I don't care what it's for, all right, then you just need to think through all of this what's firing the coil what's what's charging the coil what's happening here is the coil running off of the coil running off a full charging circuit Walter? i'm not going to talk about we'll take a, a small magneto type engine out of this discussion right now you know uh, what's how does this system work and if you look at it and have a basic you know is it using a resistor in this circuit all right if it's using a resistor what so if you, if you have an older engine on the farm and now it starts it's, it's starting to run raggy when it gets hot underneath the hood or the engine gets hot, then take a voltmeter, go with the positive lead. If it's a 12-volt system, it'll be a 12-volt system because a 6-volt wouldn't have resistor. Go to the positive lead of the coil and then with the voltmeter positive, negative lead to ground and read the voltage. You're not going to hurt anything. Read the voltage going to the coil because as you get these parts, you could have an old truck Right and uh, on the farm and it, it gets hot and it starts to run raggy and stall and buck and you say hey I put this thing behind the barn it's junk it's because it's got a Chinese ballast resistor on it or a Chinese resistance wire or something so the thing is that a diagnostic step on any ignition system is to read what the voltage is going to the positive side of the coil. All right, so very, very, very important, even on an electronic ignition with no resistance, are you putting charging circuit voltage to the coil? Or is there a problem in that circuit where you're only putting eight or nine volts into the coil? Well, you know, it's like a bank account. The the less you put in, the less you're going to be able to get out, and that's very, very important. And remember that if you're looking at dwell on an HEI an electronic gmhi let me start with that is that you could hook up a dwell meter and read the dwell on the ignition module on a chrysler older chrysler older ford a toyota you could still read the dwell on the ignition module anybody who works in a in a car dealership newer car dealership knows that through a scan tool lots of scan tools you could read dwell but you're not going to see that on an old dodge truck behind the barn that you want to use as a nurse truck and you know a nurse tank truck for your sprayer so a lot of these engines are parked a lot of these vehicles are parked these old farm trucks or what have you still have a lot of life left in them because of an ignition problem or a carburetor problem and keep in mind that a lot of carburetor problems are not carburetor problems are ignition problems because if you're not putting enough energy to jump that gap of the spark plug and keep that spark plug arcing for as many degrees as possible in crankshaft rotation, then it's not gonna burn the fuel. And it's gonna run like a bag, a bolt, it's gonna misfire, it's gonna it's gonna buck, it may backfire, or do all these things. And a lot of carburetor problems are truly not carburetor problems, they're ignition problems. And so so keep that in mind that the ignition is the foundation, that the carburetor's job is to mix the fuel and air together and to atomize it. Break it down into small particles so it could vaporize, and that's—I don't care whether that's a pressure washer, they would carburetor same thing, all right. But it's the ignition's job to convert that chemical to mechanical energy exchange. So a lot of times the carburetor is blamed that it's the ignition, and sometimes the ignition is blamed that it's the carburetor, but you have to remember that they work hand-in-hand, like the seed and seed-to-soil contact. So it works hand-in-hand, that you can't get the seed up out of the ground if you don't have seed-to-soil contact, right, because the seed-to-soil contact needs to bring the moisture from the soil to the seed for it to break the seed coating for it to wake up out of dormancy. Well, the same thing is going to happen. So, uh... It's very, very important, and as we move into 2022, is that it's imperative for you to understand this and not throw parts at stuff. So, if you have any questions on ignition, on breaker points or electronic ignition, please feel free to reach out to me at, at com And I am not going—we're we're coming to the end of the hour here. I am not going to do a toolbox test today or a listener's letter so i'm gonna pick that up fresh with the new year so with 2022 and uh let me see what else uh, and that is basically it so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and for listening and i wish you all a blessed blessed 2022 and also yes i am going to do my new year's day show so there's going to be a, a short podcast my prayer and my wish for you my audience my audience family my my Podcast family, as we go on to 2022. Every year, I've been doing a short show. It has nothing to do with engines, nothing to do with machinery. It's my wish and my prayer for you. So that'll post on New Year's Day, and it's not going to go away. It's always going to be up there. So if you get a chance, please listen to it because it is, like I say, it's my wish for you, my listeners. So know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you the American farmer and rancher, my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed, blessed rest of 2021 and let's hit the ground running in 2022. Thank you.